Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us please stand and affirm with a proclamation of the faith of our heart the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And now stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your divine hands, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The letter of Apostle Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness. We are paying our attention to three verbs. This is to set aside, renew, and to clothe. And as we have already heard, the former way of life and the old man in this image of life he is growing corrupt this world mankind is given over to the judgment of God and it is growing corrupt literally decaying self-destroying itself and this world, with all of its achievements, with all of its progress, is headed towards hell. Where this decay will continue and is going to be eternal. This eternal destruction, suffering, and so forth. But according to the mercy of the Lord, the Lord has offered a new man to set aside this program and give this revelation through his apostle, Apostle Paul. And when we had heard that we are called to set aside, to set aside this image of the old man, which we had inherited from Adam, Adam, Having eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he accepted in himself sin. He accepted the need 
to define good and evil for himself. And of course, if a person does not set aside or reject this way of life, he is going to be likened to the first Adam and will inherit death. God said, in the day that you will eat of this fruit, you shall die. Do not draw near to it, do not eat of it. And when we heard this news, we made the decision to set aside this former way of life of the old man to make this effort to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, to renew our thinking. And of course, we are incapable of doing this independently. If, if we don't, if you don't know, most beautiful of human, of woman, then walk along the paths of the sheep and tend to your flock near the tents of the shepherds. We know that when the Son of Man comes in glory and will sit on the throne of His glory, it is written that the holy angels together with Him, then before Him will gather all the people. These are people that call themselves saved. They contend for Christ as their Lord and ruler. One and the other type of people call themselves Lord, but some he places on the right side and others he places on the left side. Those on the right side, he turns to them and says, Enter, blessed children, into the kingdom of my Father that is prepared from the creation of the earth. For I was hungry and you gave me to eat, I longed and you gave me to drink. He also turns to those that are on the left side. In another one of the parables, they are called tares, but here he calls them, Go, you, those that are cursed. He defines them as those that are cursed. We are not called to tend to the goats, we are called to tend to the sheep. And when we tend to the sheep of our Father, then God places and appoints a person, a person through whom he gives, he gives this sheep these flocks and we of course as obedient children 
we tend to the sheep of our Father, and in this manner our thinking is likened. It is likened to the sheep. In other words, we offering to the Lord our tithes because the tree of knowledge of good and evil had defined tithes. This was the tree of God. He said, it is there, but do not touch it. The Lord had planted it, but he said, do not come near it. This is mine. So the authority, when we offering tithes and we bring them and put them at the feet of the apostle, then we, in this manner, we deprive our mind of this authority to define and to understand what is good and what is evil. And we say, I refuse. I refuse this authority. I refuse to define what is good and what is evil for myself. Because all of this was contained in the former way of life, and we have died to this way of life. There is good and there is evil. And people of this world, people on this earth, they perhaps might eat of some good. They say, here is my reward, here is my efforts, here is what I tried. The laws are constantly changing. Constantly new laws are being created. And then it turns out this law is not good, and then they create a new law. And in this way, they continue to change our laws. But we as disciples, we give this authority to the Lord to define what is good and what is evil. And in this manner, we rely on the Lord and our trust in God. And our thinking is likened to a sheep. Because goats are a pure animal, as we know. They are those that were found in the flock. There were many of them. And all were one. And there was one flock. But there will be a separation, division. And some will be placed on the left side, some on the right side. And the image of this world is fleeing. And the image of this former conduct is fleeing. And he who has not set aside the former way of life, he is going to be decayed with this world. He will endure decay in himself. And scripture says, do not love the world and all that is in this world. He who loves the world, in him there is no love of God. But love the atmosphere of the heavenly kingdom in the church. In other words, the Lord created a new man in Christ Jesus. This is the body. There is no male or female gender. There is no rich or poor. There is no Jew or Hellenes. Circumcision or uncircumcision. But there is one new man in Christ Jesus. This is the territory of the kingdom of heaven. Whoever ends up on this territory, he takes off the shoes from his feet because this is the holy land. This is a holy government a holy kingdom, and this kind of a person is called to learn, and our ability and our need 
to renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind. We miss it. Opportunity and ability comes through discipleship. When we hear the words of truth, the words of teaching, we are transformed into this kind of a sheep, and we hope, we trust that when the king is going to separate the sheep from the goats, that we will be placed on the right-hand side because we have rejected we have rejected the sinful conduct, the sinful life, sinful desire to define what is good and what is evil for ourselves and to judge in this manner and to judge of ourselves incorrectly. Apostle Paul says, I do not judge of myself. For the Lord is my judge. And of course, we rely on the judgment that the Lord produces. And we know how the Lord produces it. He produces this judgment. At one point, he had placed judges in among the people. But then the people of God were so distorted that he had refused for there to be judges. And the Lord said, well, because they have rejected me, he says to the prophet Samuel, do not worry, they have not rejected you. They have rejected me. As a supreme ju- judge, they have rejected me. And they asked a king to be uh, placed for 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 them, and, and, and he did in his anger, Saul. And we as disciples of Christ are called to be renewed in the spirit of our mind by being taught and by dwelling in discipleship. Only in this manner, this comes from the Father to the Son. There is no other way to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. When we hear the one who reads, who reads this word, in whom there is the wisdom of God and the vision of God, we, accepting this truth, we are clothed in it, and our mind is renewed. And furthermore, we are called to be clothed into our new man. And as we know, we cannot be clothed into the garments of another person. We are called to produce it as a garden produces the fruit that are sown in it. Thus will happen us being clothed into the new man. We grow these garments in ourselves, and then the Lord allows us to be clothed in them. And this is the ancient path of goodness. This is the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. This is the word which the Lord gives to us. Because God always, before the coming of His glory on the earth, He always sent a person. And He sent our pastor, Brother Argadi, His messenger, in order to give us the image of the thinking of the righteous. The renewal of thinking is for us to be able to carry the image of the thinking of a righteous person. If this does not happen, God says the teaching about blessings and curses, so that I, having come, he says, do not send a curse upon this land. He will make it happen that he will separate the sheep from the goats and the goats are going to be placed under an eternal curse and he will say depart from me you cursed ones and they will say lord you are our lord and he says no i 
desired, longed, but you did not give me to drink. God's desire is contained in the word of the messengers of God, but you did not give me to drink, he says. You have not accepted this word, and you remained in such a state by saying, I don't understand the word in this way, or I don't think this way. And of course, we are continuing to look at these three verbs, and Pastor many times reminds us that all these three verbs are important. There's not, this isn't a checklist where we stop with one and we go on to another. We continually dwell in these three verbs. And right now, we are specifically focusing on the truth that is contained in the verb to be clothed, the third verb. And we have stopped to study the garments of righteousness we which we must be clothed in and impart the measure of the price that is necessary to pay for the right to be clothed in garments of righteousness. And we have already looked at six conditions and have stopped to study the seventh condition. The seventh condition for the right to be clothed in a robe of righteousness in order to practice the justice of God is to be clothed in a redemption that is yielded in the observance of Pesach of the Lord according to the statute established by God. So there is a certain condition, there are certain conditions that those that sell, that they offer to us. Someone who sells is someone whom the Lord has granted the authority to teach how this Word of God works. And there is a statute, there is a statute and a commandment, and we are looking at the statutes also, because commandments we can learn but how do we implement them into our essence for this we look at the statutes the statutes of god are called to become our songs the songs that we sing our songs in the night when we get up in the night and we remember the word we remember this instruction going to work we remember this instruction in our life in any kind of works that we do we continually sing of these statutes study them remember them so that we can fulfill these statutes. And for us to do this, they need to become our song, as our, uh, as David had said. Each detail of the annual observance of Pesach had pointed to the legal right to exodus out of Egypt, which symbolized the right to deliverance from the vain life and entering into the promised land, which symbolizes the right to final deliverance from slavery of sin and death in the body. And in the future, the final deliverance from the perishable body itself in the mortal soul. And thanks to our worthy partaking of the Pesic Lamb, saints are going to be clothed in imperishability and immortality and will be raptured upon the morning star that has ascended in the heavens of our spirit. In the statute of Pesic, the worthy partaking of the Pesic Lamb was comprised of the requirements of a special kind of garments, that carry in themselves the readiness to fulfill the justice of God. So our garments point to the fact that we are ready. Being clothed in garments means that we are ready to partake of the judgments of God. There's a kind of position where we desire God's judgments, where we call upon God's judgments, and we are languishing for God's judgments, and we say, Lord, my soul is weary with the desire of your judgments at all times reading psalms and hearing this word but we are not yet ready to fulfill this judgment 
and somebody though that is clothed in the garments of righteousness or justice is somebody who is ready together with the Lord to fulfill the justice of God. And there are certain requirements that are necessary for partaking of the Pesach itself. So observing this statute of the Pesach feast, we must have these garments on ourselves. And of course, to act strictly according to the statutes. Without fulfilling these requirements in any of their aspects, do not free a person from the decree of death. So this former way of life that is going to bring a person to decay, it is going to continue to act in him. And on the contrary, observance of the Pesach statute made a person a partaker to the menu, uh, to the manufacturing of the judgment, manufacture of the judgment of God over the firstborn of Egypt. This was the celebration in the first month. God said, let this first month be the first month among you and observe this statute in your generations and pass it along. And when your son or when your daughter, when they ask you, what is this? Tell him that the Lord had destroyed all of the firstborn of Egypt and our firstborn he had kept for himself and had mercy. Tell this to them so that this would not be lost, that this truth would not be lost. Exodus 12, 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The Egyptians are a circumcised people, but they are a carnal people. Circumcision became in their lives uncircumcision. That God did not view this as circumcision. And according to this, we know that the firstborn of Egypt, which the Egyptians had depended on, were the deities of Egypt. We must remember that our dependence defines our deity, our trust, and our worship. This is that which carnal people depend on. The firstborn of Egypt represented the image of the soul of a person who has refused to lose his soul on death of the Lord Jesus, to die to his nation, to his household, and to his carnal desires, which resist the desires of God. So our desires are always going to resist and compete. They are going to always compete with the desires of God, as the cherubim had done. Because this vain life passed along from our forefathers is passed along from this sinful life, from the cherubim who in his heart had wanted to become greater than God or he had tried to compete with God in some way. Therefore, our fleshly desires are always going to resist the desires of God. That's why we are called to immerse our soul into the death of the Lord Jesus, so that this soul can be renewed, could become new. There will now be the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh, the thoughts of God. There is no longer the question, what do you think according to this or about this? Well, I don't think. I study and I speak that which the Lord says. 
A renewed person with a renewed thinking must respond in this way. When people ask me, Brother, well, what do you think about this? Well, what would you say about this? I forbid myself to think or to speak in this way. I right away tried to remember what the man of God had spoken about this. The person whom God had has appointed to give to me the image of the thoughts of the righteous. And if I can't remember, you know, I say, you know, I am not sure. I don't remember. I have forgotten what pastor has said about this. Let's remember. Let's listen to the word. When we are in the order of God, we receive answers. And even though pastor is not among us, he is among us in spirit, although he is not present in body. He is not present in body, but is present in spirit. But the Lord can give this word, this truth, to remind us of this truth very easily. And when we have some kind of question that arises, we receive an answer to it very quickly. And you know, I will say this, that lately I don't wait for very long from the Lord uh, for answers. As soon as I have a question, the Lord all of a sudden gives uh, to one of our brothers and our, one of our brothers helps answer it and I can I hear this answer. For the treasure of this feast, the treasure of this great riches for this victory, the most important riches, as we know, is deliverance. Deliverance from our dependence on our carnal nature and God's promise to destroy death in our bodies. This is seen as a great riches before God. We know that people spend lots of means. Science exists. Millions of dollars are given to try to attain or to try to reach the youthfulness of life, to, to try to make life longer. And as we know, time comes, the program works, and he dies. And he might not have been ill yet, he is middle-aged, yet he dies. And his time comes and he dies and, he, and nothing works. But God has promised to us in His Word, and this is a treasure, these are riches, that if somebody has said, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, who had created the Apple iPhone that we now use, he, in the days right before his death, when his liver was giving out, he had, if I according to remember, remember correctly, he had about 50 billions of dollars. And he said, I would give everything up for a new liver. This is how he valued his health. People don't value their health until they lose it. But when they begin to lose it, they are ready to give up everything for the sake of their health. But for the treasure of this feast, basic feast, to become a reality in our life, Scripture imputed to us the need to fulfill ten conditions that are written about in the twelfth chapter of the book of Exodus. During previous services, we have already looked at nine conditions and have stopped to study the final and triumphant condition. I like this word a lot. 
triumphant because in this condition is revealed the victory, the triumph of God. If, of course, under the condition that we all know them, understand them, and they act in our life, then this word triumphant, it is called to reveal and to open this life of God in our body in which the redemption of God in a person was called to triumph over death and sin, and this need is to eat of the Pesach lamb in haste. Exodus 12.11 says, And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Here we have four conditions present in this place of scripture. I highlighted for myself haste. We are looking at this word haste, and the element of haste upon partaking of the Pesach was so important that it is mentioned in scripture numerously as a kind of unchanging law. It is this element that was used in Exodus out of Egypt, and it is this element that was elevated to the rank of a special sign and which is a sign for us for those who have accepted the preached word of god in their heart and have trembled have trembled from that which god is intending to do in the bodies of his chosen remnant the word haste aside from its literal meaning in the dimension of time to hurry to not be late in hebrew in the dimension of the spirit it contains a completely different definition specifically to hasten is to take the yoke upon ourselves, to carry our cross, to endure suffering, to be clothed in the mantle of a disciple. To hurry means to be clothed in the armor of light or in the teaching of Jesus Christ who came in the flesh. To hasten is to renew our thinking, having heard about this, to not fall asleep. Oh man, do not fall asleep. This means do not... Do not set aside even one minute, cherish the time. You think that life will continue and it will not end soon, but you know, when Jesus Christ comes in our bodies, many out of the children of God are going to think, well, I thought five, ten, fifteen years, months or so forth, I had time, but all of a sudden, here it came. The fullness of time had come, the day of the Lord had come, but in order for it to not find us in a state of darkness or to not find us sleeping, Jesus Christ constantly said, be vigilant, be vigilant. To hasten means to ponder upon the law of the Almighty, to heed to the word of God with fear and trembling, and to stand watch so as not to distort the word of God. To stand watch, in other words, to not distort it for ourselves and to not try to comfort ourselves with the fact that, oh, well, I am weak. I am going to do this and that. Well, if you do this and that, then you're not going to fulfill that which God has intended for us to fulfill. We are called to try to hear what God says to us, and I'm saying this to myself, firstly. I, for for a certain point, I thought, this is such a height before me. I see the, I try to set the bar for me at a lower, at a lower standard to try to calm myself down that I'm going to reach it, but I, I end up in a state of fear.
from this kind of relationship to the Word of God. And I understood that if I don't change my relationship, and if I don't have this trembling, which coincides, which the Lord requires, this kind of haste, and if I don't demonstrate it, then all the things are in place for me to not have enough time to attain to this promise. Therefore, we will hasten. I will remind us, we have already talked about eight signs total that Pastor had given us. We've already covered five and have stopped to study the sixth one. What it means to hasten, what it contains in itself. We're talking about the definition behind this and the condition. The first sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste is to ponder upon the contents of Pesach or those truths which we fertilize ourselves with, with through the seed of the word that we hear. So all of the sermons that we hear, we are continue to ponder over them. Leaving here, we have time until our next service to be able to use this time and to be able to hold this word before ourselves. The Lord gave us mercy for us to print this on paper. We are able to read it in an electronic format. Take a look at what riches we have. We can continually see this word and hear it. The Lord said, may this book of the law never leave your lips. Learn to read it, to hear it, to ponder over these words, to hold it in your memory continually. This is what it means to hasten. If this is not present, then we do not hasten and we violate. We violate this triumphant coming of God, which He is demonstrating among His people. The second sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste means to hear the Word of God in humility and contrition of the heart. So when we hear, whether it be upon the, at this place, this of course is the epicenter of hearing the Word of God, but we also hear it also in different places. I remember long ago I had worked in a factory and I was not yet a member of the church, but I had listened, listened to the sermons and at one moment I hear and I understand that I can no longer listen anymore and to continue. And I turn it off, I lean on the machine and I begin to cry and I say, Lord, I understand that I need to do something. I am not, I by according to my nature am stiff stiff-necked, somebody with an uncircumcised heart and ears, what do I do? And this word had moved me, but the epicenter of hearing the word of God occurs here. When we come to this chosen place of God on which He teaches us, He teaches us His character. The third sign, and, and therefore, that's why we are called to come to hear the Word of God in the humility and contrition of the heart. This is how we ought to hear the Word of God, because we don't always understand it. The true Word of God, hearing the Word of God, it will always include a part that is hidden. The part that is hidden belongs to the Lord. These are the showbreads, but the word that is revealed to us and our sons, this is for us. 
the truth of the Word of God always contains the mystery of God. God always contains in it something. And in this manner, He makes us, uh, He interests us. But if we come, having not been contrite, not being humble, there will not be this kind of mystery and we will understand everything. And false teachers, false prophets, they say, I understand everything. They choose for themselves people that when they are going to teach, they're going to teach in a way that will make it understandable. If not, they begin to have enmity with this word and this battle occurs, which sometimes these goats with their horns battle. But we know that the Lord has taken us out of this Babylon and has given us this quiet pasture and He grants us this word, this food with love and we eat of it, we grow. And the third sign, what it means to eat with haste. In Hebrew this means to be vigilant and to stand watch of that which we ponder or eat of through hearing the word of God. So first, to be vigilant means to protect it. This is mine. I have purchased it. At one point, I came to one of my houses, and between church service, or right before church service, I had to quickly go there in an emergency. All of a sudden, I come to this house, and all of I see that there are instruments that are flying from the window. Everything is flying out the window. I thought, strange. And then all of a sudden, I see somebody with an unfamiliar face. And I thought, well, this is mine. This is mine. I am a very calm person, but in this moment, I had such uh, something ignite in me, and I chased after him for several blocks and caught this person. And in conclusion, I then thought, what do you? What did I do? I jumped over the fence. I jumped. I, like a lion, had chased this sheep down. And the police officers asked me, this person is such a state, he, in the middle of the day, he enters into houses, he is a drug addict, we know him. Please help us to be able to put him into prison. And I, I helped in this, but I don't know myself and all of a sudden, I noted that I have to protect my own. And this is how we are called to protect these truths. When some kind of lion or bear comes, he will no longer come. In the beginning, he is going to try to come, and he's going to look at our reaction. If... He came and tried to, ste to steal the sheep, and the other would catch, catch him. And when he had showed some kind of resistance, then I would take him and I would, I would subdue him. Of course, to be vigilant or to stand watch, so that no one may steal this word, is necessary. Because there are going to be those that are going to try to steal this. But we are called to protect it. And if someone does risk, they risk with their life. 
The fourth sign of haste, of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste, means to cherish the time that is given to partake of Pesach, to understand that the time from which the Lord has called us and has opened up our goal, the promise, the clock is, is ticking, and according to the mercy of God, of course, God can tarry. And sometimes, you know, I think that's why the Lord had said, if I tarry, wait for me. It'll happen. Well, why would it tarry? Because God says, if you observe Pesach, and if you ended up not ready, there will be another chance another month later. And if you don't have time in the first month, and if you don't have time, we're on the road, on the journey, you will have a chance in a month to observe Pesach again with the Passover. But of course, if a person is going to try to think, oh, well, it's going to tarry, then he will lose. He did not cherish the time. That's why he didn't fulfill the condition of observing Pesach. The fifth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste means to find satisfaction in partaking of Pesach in the subject of the desire to hear the preached word about the kingdom of heaven. So, having already known how good this is for our spiritual bones, how strong it makes us, victorious it makes us, mature in the eyes of God, beautiful in the eyes of God, godly pleasing, then we begin to understand the benefit of this. This is health. These are vitamins for us. And we begin to do this with great satisfaction and joy. And whether we understand this word or not, we might not understand something. We still eat of it because we know that the source is of God. And the sixth sign that we have stopped to study and have continued to study, the sixth sign of eating the Pesach of the Lord in haste, very important component. This is to fulfill our salvation with fear, trembling, and reverence. As it is written, with fear, fulfill your salvation. Fear and trembling are the requirements necessary for being clothed in the mantle of justice, which we are studying in the garments of righteousness. Isaiah 8.13 The Lord of hosts, hosts meaning the God of the army of Israel, him you shall hallow, let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Faith in which, faith which lacks the fear of the Lord is a dead faith, demonic faith. Faith that will not move a person to the truth, to the fruit of righteousness. For the demons also tremble. They know that there will be judgment, but they don't fulfill the will of God. Today a majority of Christians are found in a kind of faith in which lacks the fear of the Lord. This is a dead faith, a demonic faith. True faith contains in itself the fear of the Lord. Being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to teach us wisdom through the teaching of humility. 
True faith, it contains the fear of the Lord, and the fear of the Lord makes a person, meaning God entices him. Wisdom and the truth that is in the Lord begins to lead him. That's why God said, I did not intend to scare you. I intended to give you to know if you don't fulfill the words exactly, the words that you will hear through the people that I will send into your life, then you are going to endure shipwreck or you are going to endure a loss. Your building is going to be destroyed and so forth. Being filled with the fear of the Lord, a person begins to cherish and to tremble before every word of God, to look into the meaning of the words that he is learning. And he no longer says, oh, I, I wasn't understood. Oh, you won't deceive the heart. You know, the heart may deceive us. The Lord will not deceive us. The heart may deceive us. What do we mean, the heart? Sometimes we say, our soul. Our soul is a kind of serpent that each person must understand that it can't be relied on. It is going to lie. The venom of serpents is on its lips. We will later on get to this point, this place of scripture, that their wine as of Sodom and Gomorrah, Gomorrah. The Lord said, it is going to this teaching, this word, that is going to be from the mouth of the dragon. It is going to lead a person to fall. Because there is no order of God there. There is no, blessed is he who reads and blessed is he who listens. But people amongst one another, they create these unions and they build relations with one another, not according to the statute of God, but as it was in Sodom and Gomorrah and these two cities. Behind humility or by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life which begins in our body and we wait that this life of God is going to be revealed in, in us. Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. My son, it says, again, from the initial word, we build a relationship here and we verify and test ourselves. This is a word of remembrance. So if this is a relationship between a father and the son, and we have this, I think we do have this. We already have these built relations. We understand on whom the Lord has placed the spirit of the fatherhood and we have affirmed in this and now we hear these words and understand. All right, there are relations. This means that there is hope. If you accept my words and keep and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom. Take a look at how many statutes are hidden here. The relationship of the father and son, the acceptance of the word, keeping this word, keeping it in our heart. We make our ear inclined to wisdom and apply our heart to understanding. It says also, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, 
how do we cry out in any fellowship, in any conversation with a person in which there is the wisdom of God, who represents the image of God, who is a sheep? All of a sudden, the conversation is about this, about the truth, about the wisdom of God. This is called to cry out for discernment, to lift up your voice for understanding, to seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. This will be the result. You will understand the fear of the Lord. And to cry out is necessary in the presence of the man of God because it says when you find such a person, then you will begin to approach the threshold of the house. We right now are doing this in the order of God. We are continuing to dwell in this in this word while our pastor is not present in body, but is present in spirit. We in the spirit will try to immerse, to draw out from these words all of the moisture contained in them. Because right now the waters are laboring in service this there is no coincidence in life and i think we all understand that there is a special direction or god leading us through this and we are called to draw from this information from this word to nourish us given that we have already looked at the first three questions this is the definition purpose and the price we will turn to the fourth question the result According to which results should we test ourselves that we have the fear of the Lord present in our heart? Today we will cover four aspects, and there are many more of them. But in the format of this service, we will talk about four. We will remember four different aspects. The first aspect or result of being filled with the fear of the Lord is called to reveal itself in God walking before His people, just like a shepherd leads the sheep just as christ said my sheep hear my voice the shepherd go in front the shepherds go in front the sheep follow we see the order of god and the result of this kind of march or this kind of direction will be the shaking of our land psalms 68 verses 8 through 10 I try to be clothed in this result in my life. I look at myself and I think, Lord, is everything being shaken in me? Are the heavens dropping rain at the presence of God? The mountains, I see there's some kind of firmness along the way. I begin to pray, Lord, make this result in me, reveal it in me so that when I Look at this word. My heart melts from this order. Psalm 68, verses 7 through 10. O God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook. The heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself was moved at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You, O God, sent a plentiful rain, whereby you confirmed your inheritance. When it was weary, your congregation dwelt in it. You, O oh God, provided from your goodness for the poor. To melt is to totally become poor when in our following after the Lord, we no longer have anything we rely on except for the Lord. 
Cursed is everyone who makes his flesh uh, his what he relies on. We must rely on the word of God that comes from the lips of God. It is not by bread alone, but with, by every word of God that comes from the lips of God, man shall live. I had difficult moments in my life when I had tried to apply this kind of style, this kind of result in life. And of course, I thought and knew that the Lord teaches us. And I called pastor and I said, Pastor, I have a question. I don't know. God has deprived me of everything that I previously relied on in my life. I am ready to listen to you and to accept the instruction that you will speak because I have no other hope on that which is visible. I say, Marina, my wife is nearby. We need to record this conversation so that I don't lose it and I can fulfill it to the very end with this anointed one of the Lord. And the Lord had demonstrated victory in my life through this kind of relationship. David in prayer songs, through these songs, the Holy Spirit had shown the shaking of the people of God or the chosen remnants in the wilderness when they fulfilled their calling, which was comprised of exiting out of Egypt to the path that leads to worship to God on Mount Sinai. So God is going to make it happen that a person is going to be shaken. His feet are going to be shaken. Moses comparing compares two different kinds of shaking, the worshipers of truth and those that departed from truth. The sheep and the goats were always present, and they react differently when, when this kind of shaking happens in life. Deuteronomy 31, 3-5. And all of this happens in one womb, in one place, up until a certain moment. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. So the teaching, the teaching that they follow will be in such a way that this is Babylon, this is a democracy, this is disorder which they call the order of the order, meaning we have to accept everyone. We have to hear the opinion of everyone. The voice of the people is the voice of God. What will this sister say? What will this brother say? They manipulate the word. And they say, This disorder that people try to carry out into the kingdom of heaven. He will say, where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge? During their shaking. Jesus Christ had said, Who told you to run away from the future anger?
who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drink the wine of their drink offering. Let them rise up and help you and be your refuge. People don't want him who reads to unseal the word. They select for themselves teachers that are going to lie to them that would try to flatter their ears. But in God's treasuries, this is hidden, and through His order, through the Spirit of the Fathers of God, through His messengers, God unseals His word, but they don't want to hear. The shaking of the feet of the righteous and the wicked begins to occur when the time of retribution comes. The true worshippers, during the shaking of their feet, they gain greater strength, and they are endowed with the dignity, giving them the right over hell and death. The wicked, during the shaking of their feet, are clothed in shame, and they enter or they head to perdition prepared for them, because worshippers of truth sought knowledge of God and the paths of the Lord, and the wicked had sought material prosperity and anointing in order to use it for control over the inheritance of God. And these two words, prosperity and anointing, there is much that is hit, that is contained here. They sought the firstborn of Egypt in order to discern there. There are the gifts of the Holy Spirit present. There is some kind of beauty there is the mixing of what is divine with what is human. There is cowardice, unfaithfulness to God. There is a format of godliness with its power having been denied. And under these flags, again, these people did not seek the face of the Lord. Hosea chapter 7 verses 13 through 16. Woe to them, for they have fled from me, destruction to them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I redeemed them, they have spoken lies against me. They did not cry out to me with their heart when they wailed upon their beds. This wailing upon beds, this means that everything is shaking, but they might be crying out to God, but God does not hear them. This means God saying, I don't hear, because they might lift up their prayers, they might pray loudly, cry, and so forth, but the Lord does not hear because they don't cry out to Him with their hearts. Their hearts are not built into the altar of the Lord. Well, how do we build it into the altar of the Lord if a person does not listen to the messenger of God, if there's there's no opportunity to then build oneself into a spiritual dwelling? Because for this purpose, God had placed the manifold, the fivefold ministry. If this doesn't exist, how do we come to fullness? How do we build ourselves into an altar of the Lord? They assembled together for grain and new wine. They rebel against me. Though I disciplined and strengthened their arms, yet they devise evil against me. They return, but not to the Most High. They are like a treacherous bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the cursings of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land of Egypt. Because they remained in the land of Egypt. The land of Egypt is the land of bondage. This is there where there is the carnal nature that we must exit out of and to hurry out of. But they remained in the land of Egypt.
based on the fact that the wicked under uh, the seducing spirit they try to use the truth of the coming of Christ they try to to cause the truth to be distorted 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 8 now brethren concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering gathered to him we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come though will no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God and having sat in the temple of God then from there two witnesses it talks about are going to be Sodom and Egypt, the carnal state and this disorderly state uh, relationship of Sodom, the democratic government. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining. He may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The day of Christ he had explained here. And of course, the thousand-year reign that Jesus Christ will not come until there will be many signs beforehand. But if a person does not have a renewed mind, he can't know this, he can't understand this, and he is going to be shaken in his mind. We ought to be found under the protection of God and a renewed mind will not be shaken. It can't be shaken because he is going to be contained in God, in the order of God. Renewal comes from God's order and none, no other way. To not hurry to stumble in our mind. I will mention another place of scripture. This is in Hebrews. Watch so that you do not turn away from he who speaks. Somebody Somebody with a contrite spirit, or we, con- we undergo contrition in collaboration with God so that our mind could be unshakable, which points to the land, the land that must be immovable. God shakes so that it can become unshakable. If someone does shake, then the person to whom there is no favor, we are called in this shaking to come to full humility, to full poverty, to full dependence on God. This is what it means to have a contrite spirit. And we will have the correct reaction. And then God takes from this clay. He molds us, places us in the furnace, and with his fire, 
He uses us for His works, for His eternal goals, makes us vessels of that which is good. The second component of the price of being filled with the fear of the Lord is in casting out the enemy from the inheritance that belongs to us. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all His ways, and to hold fast to Him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourselves. Every place on which the sole of your feet treads shall be yours. From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread, just as he has said to you. When scripture says, every place that your feet will step on, step on will be yours, this is the territory of the promised land, but is in the authority of the enemy. Just Pastor says that the cherubim, he began to exit out of the limits which the Lord had appointed to him. But here we are called to act within the limits. When the sons of curse, they read this place of scripture, they begin to trample on that which they don't, are not called to. And a carnal person who is born of Adam, he carries the essence of the cherub, the of of Lucifer in him. When he hears this place of scripture, every place on which the sole of your feet treads shall be yours, he incorrectly interprets it. Here the man of God interpreted it for us as the following, that only the place which the Lord has given you, but it in the given moment is in the hands of the enemy. And the Lord said, Turn to the western sea and say to the people, You have skirted this mountain long enough. Turn north northward and command the people, saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir, and they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. And when we passed beyond our brethren, the descendants of Esau, who dwelt in Seir, away from the road of the plain, away from the Elath and Ezion Geber, we turned and passed by way of the wilderness of Moab. Then the Lord said to me, Do not harass Moab, nor contend with them in battle, for I will not give you any of their land as a possession, because I have given Ar to the descendants of Lot as a possession. Deuteronomy 2, 1 through 9. Somebody filled with the fear of the Lord is going to be very careful. Before stepping somewhere, he is going to ask, Is this the will of God? And when he finds out, because all the promises of God in Jesus Christ are yes, or to the glory of God through the apostles, we must know that God truly gives this. And when he gives this, then we have the right to, to move. The people of God oftentimes did this. Moses says, go, go and take this city. They didn't want to. They said, we saw uh, the sons of another there. Why do we go there? Then all of a sudden they say, we will go and we will overtake it. They begin to repent. Moses says, don't go there. God will not be with you. They go there. They endure loss. 
So here, before we step somewhere, the fear of the Lord is revealed in that we do not do anything from ourselves. We don't try to be more zealous than we ought to be, to not demonstrate some kind of religious behavior, to not do more than what is asked of us, to fulfill that which is asked of us. If we have this presence, we have this desire in us to behave as the man of God teaches us, if we desire to try to lower the bar for ourselves, then this means that we don't have this result. This means that we're not filled with the fear of the Lord. The Lord out of ancient days said, the ancient path of goodness did not go to the left or to the right, not one way or the other. Hold to the path exactly. A person is inclined to go uh, either towards the left or the right. The next condition is, or the next sign of being filled with the fear of the Lord is the ability to depart from evil. Proverbs 16.6 In mercy and truth atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. Mercy that is not the fruit of righteousness is evil and has no relationship to the fear of the Lord. This is philanthropy as it's called. Proverbs 22.16 He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. Somebody who is filled with the fear of the Lord will never oppress the poor. The next component to pay attention to if we are found under the mercy of the Lord, we will look at 3 Kings chapter 20, verses 23 through 42. Because you let go from your hand, somebody accursed to me, your soul will be for his soul, your people for his people. In this case, we are talking about the Assyrian king, who Ben-Hadad, who had went out against Israel to take him to slavery. But according to the word of God through the prophet, then the king had undergone and then the servants of the king of Syrians, they said, their God is the God of mountains. Bring horses and cattle and we will stand up against them. And God turned to the king of Israel through his prophet and said, Thus says the Lord God, because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction, therefore your life will be for his life, and your people for his people. This is so that you may know I am the Lord. And when there was a battle, the Israelites had held on to great victory, But the king had made a union with Ben-Hadad, showing this kind of mercy. Verse 
because he was spared. If we're referring to our neighbor who is peaceful with us, but then due to some kind of circumstances who had brought us some kind of offense or had committed some kind of offense, we are called to have mercy on him. This Joseph had done when he had known Mary, when he trusted her, and all of a sudden she is with child and he asks her and she says, I was not with another person. This is from the Lord. And he figured that he would separate from her. But according to the law, he had to he had to leave her. And the angel came to him and said, Do not be afraid. And he listened to the angel of the Lord. We are called to have mercy on our neighbor that has or carries some kind of, a, commits some kind of offense. And somebody that is filled with the fear of the Lord, he will behave in such a manner. He will demonstrate great mercy towards his neighbor to forgive him to have patience over him, to protect him. And somebody who is an enemy of the Lord, who is wicked, sinful, who resists the Lord, we are called to depart from this kind of a person. We do not demonstrate mercy to help him or so forth. Because then, our help to him means we're in a union with him. Somebody filled with the fear of the Lord is going to reveal himself in such a way because he will know the statutes of the Lord. And the fourth component or the sign of the result of being filled with the fear of the Lord will lead us to eternal life to continuous joy in God and to being protected from evil. Proverbs 19.23 The fear of the Lord leads to life and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. And these words of scripture, the result of being filled with the fear of the Lord, which we ought to pay our attention to, is joy which has no comparisons in any dictionaries of the world because joy in this given world is the result of lots of loss and energy and you know a person who we think will have joy we are those in the flesh and us is present hell in the face of the old man Sometimes you hear from people, if I had a new car, then I would be at the very top. I know, I had a new car, and this makes no difference because the bar then rises. Then he wants an airplane, then he wants a helicopter, then he wants heaven. This is all hell in us, but the fear of the Lord makes a person, if I have the fear of the Lord, 
then I receive joy. And I'd like to continue on further, but the time for our prayer has come. We are going to thank the Lord for that joy that He gives to us in the fear of the Lord. This is a great treasure the Lord allows us to find. And when we find this treasure in any state, we will be joyful, waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus. And to call Him in our lives. And we will pray and thank God for His mercy towards us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for that mercy that you pour out into our life. We thank you that this place that we are on, we thank you for this quiet pasture. You have delivered us from evil people in which there is no faith that carry demonic fear in themselves, demonic faith. And you have delivered us from the evil, him who has not loved your coming. We have loved you. We have loved the coming of the morning star. We have loved your word and the lips of your messenger, the preached word, in which you have given us the hope to prepare us to meet with you. We thank you for your harmony, for your great order. We thank you that all of your works are weighted We thank you for your peace. We thank you that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Lord of this earth and by your will everything is created. We thank you that you have given birth to us to a living hope to an inheritance that is unfading, that is kept in heaven for us. And by the power of God, through the trust of our hearts to the preached word, when you give it to us and when we take it in our lips and when we proclaim it as the faith of our heart, having accepted it, And when it brings the fruit of lips in which we proclaim the faith of our heart about the imperishable inheritance that we are called to be clothed in in the resurrection of Christ in these end days, we thank you for all of your mercy. We rejoice before your countenance. We thank you, Lord, that you teach us, you teach us your fear. We pray that this teaching can occur from the lips of your messenger, from heart to heart, 
so that we can hear the words of your revelation and could continue to grow in your fear. We rejoice of that great portion that you have given to your saints. Allow us to demonstrate faithfulness in that place which you have appointed us in your order, in our life, in our homes, in service before you. And that work which you have given us, that yoke, we know that the reward you will give for our faithfulness. We thank you for the comfort. We bless your name from this place. We rejoice in that victory which you reveal in our hearts. And we pray that you can heal all those that have endured some kind of loss so that you can guide us in your march when we are going to melt with our hearts, our souls from the presence of your great glory in the preached words of your messengers that are sent by you. We pray for our pastor, Brother Arkady, the person whom you have selected to be your apostle and have sent, have sent him to the life of your saints who have the hope of being raptured. May his body be healed. May every weakness and destruction depart. May the power of your life rise up. And we have this healing and this hope. Continue to teach the fear of the Lord so that you can tend to us. Lord, our shepherd, we will have no need. He leads us to the still waters. He strengthens our soul, leads us to the path of righteousness and for his name. We ask, Lord, that your rod and your staff dwelling in our life could guide us in your fullness and could lead us to your fullness. Lord, we accept your mercy and we thank you for all. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. And we will conclude with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory and unblemished joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ our Lord, 
be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.